Welcome to the re-wrap for Tuesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB. And this morning, uh, DHBs and their debt. Uh, is this going to get better anytime soon? Uh, recycling. Is that going to work anytime soon? Uh, netball prize money. Why wasn't there any? And uh, not just one, but two comedy Martins for you. But before any of that, uh, has our Dern's visit to Australia uh, helped or hindered trans-Tasman relations? Our Prime Minister, who we shall speak to shortly, is to be commended, I think, on her dealing with the Australian issue. The Australian issue being twofold over these last couple of days. One... Those who live there but get what they would argue is an unfair suck of the sad when it comes to state support. And two, the reprobates that Australia keeps sending our way when they stray from the accepted norms of modern Australian society. It's not all that common that when a couple of leaders come face to face that blunt messages are offered in a public forum. But Adun argues the Australian export of dysfunctionals is a corrosive part of our relationship. She said it publicly. She said it publicly more than once. And I'm sure she hammered it home with ScoMo himself. The only trouble is... Well, it's twofold. One, ScoMo isn't budging, and two, she's actually wrong. What everyone seems to forget, conveniently or not, is that this country has the most luxurious and extraordinary access to Australia, an access unlike anyone else on earth. We can simply lob up, pitch our tent, and start a new life in a new country, no questions asked. No visa, no skills, no contribution, nothing. It is the most lavish of arrangements. And under the premise that there is no free lunch, the quid pro quo in that arrangement is we don't get free money as well. If we join a gang and rob a bank and bash an old Australian, they send us back. Not a bad deal, I would have thought. But as is so often the case, a good number can't help but look a gift horse in the mouth and start finding reasons as to why it's not fair. The person being repatriated hasn't been to New Zealand. They've grown up in Australia. They arrived when they were four. So what? You're still a New Zealander. And can you honestly say that if faced with the same issues, you wouldn't do the same? You have a problem, a drain on the state and or the judicial process, and you have an easy solution. Who isn't taking that? Well, we aren't, of course. That's the other argument. We don't do to the Aussies what they do to us. Well, more fool us. Adun argues it's not our way. Fine. If it isn't, then don't complain about it then. Remembering also that it's not an even swap. They have far more trouble making Kiwis than we ever have half-baked Aussies. The answer, of course, is very, very simple. Change the rules. Put a wall up. Australia treats us like any other country. Yes, we can live there, but with visas, with restrictions, with skills, with the risk that the answer when we ask will be no. Do we want that? Of course we don't. So let's stop the whinging. We don't know how lucky we are, mate. Just uh, back, back on the wall idea, uh, who, is, who will be paying for that? Will they, will they pay for that? Can we get them to pay for that? And then not build it. That'd be the funniest thing to do. Because um, we, we don't want to end up in debt like all the DHBs. Uh, Waikato DHB, you may or may not be aware, is under administration at the moment. A woman called Karen Patasi, who's been around for a very long time, and as far as I can work out, is very well respected in the area. She's been placed with a couple of helpers to sort the thing out. Here's what the report on Waikato says. Once again, goes back to my overarching argument is we don't need 20 DHBs. When you get 20 DHBs, you get 20 groups of people, um, a bunch of which will never be able to do the job properly. Here's the report of the DHB. It does not govern the organisation effectively. Financial and operational performance is not managed throughout the organisation. There is little drive for accountability. The lack of leadership, governance and accountability accounts for the majority of the portion of the deficit through poor decision making and inconsistent application of investment decisions. Do that 20 times over 
and you wonder why every single DHB in the country bar one is in debt. I mean, it's hard one, isn't it? Because they're not supposed to be making a profit, though, either, are they? Are they? Isn't it the public health service? So, uh, should we just be giving them more money to run? I don't quite understand what's happening there. Uh, Some worrying stuff around the recycling industry. Don't understand what's happening there either. Jaguar Land Rover, the aforementioned car um, industry, they're trialling a new process. turns waste plastic into vehicle parts that can still meet uh, high-end safety and quality requirements. A whole bunch of structural components, from structural components to interior trim. So there is some hope. But then, on the flip side of the equation, you've got a major recycling company in Australia at the moment who are um, basically saying, watch out, we're going under. SKM Recycling, they're called. They're contracted to more than 30 Victorian councils. They're facing liquidation, and they're saying, well, if we go under, we need help, but if we go under, there's an additional 400,000 metric tonnes of recyclables going to be sent to the landfill each year. So are they genuinely going under because they're a hopeless company, or are they going under because there is no money in recycling and you need to basically subsidise them? I don't think we've got enough answers yet at the moment, do we? And weirdly, you know, we were hearing about how successful the recycling industry is in Australia um, last, last week in Sydney and in New South Wales how is it that some people can make it work and some people are we just moving this stuff around is that what's happening uh, we're not moving enough sports prize money around according to some people now there's no prize money there was no prize money opined the New Zealand Herald and various other commentators yesterday afternoon our girls had won the World Cup and there was no financial riches to go with it funny old thing isn't it the way we deal with our own wee world how we translated out to the wider world, assuming what we do matters. Of course, the contrast was drawn to the cricketers, who just one week earlier had failed to do what the women had done and come second, and yet for that effort they collected $3 million. Once again, a strange reaction trying to join a couple of dots that could never be joined. And in these examples, might be a clue as to why we get so confused and sometimes upset about sport. Firstly, netball. And this is to take nothing away from what the Silver Ferns have done. But netball is a globally insignificant sport. It is played by next to no one, and even those who play the vast majority are no good. There are in fact only about two or three teams at any given time on the whole planet that are actually good at the sport. We happen to be one of them. But the point is, the money follows the crowds. It follows the TV rights and the ticket sales and the size of the audience. Netball simply isn't in the big league. The same way cricket isn't in the big league globally. It's bigger than netball because it has heritage and it has the subcontinent, which has over a billion obsessed people following it. That's why Stephen Adams earns $40 million a year. He's in a globally significant game in a globally and commercially significant league. It's why Ryan Fox, if he had converted his first round back nine at the Open the other day into a few more record-breaking back nines, he would have won about $3 million yesterday morning, all the money for himself the cricketers had to split. And further, the Open purse, by the way, the lowest of all the majors, Joe Parker when he was on his game and in front of Anthony Joshua, was getting all of that combined and more. And should he have won, given boxing as a pay-for-view affair, he'd be pulling tens of millions of dollars every single fight. But equally, there are Kiwis out there each weekend in various corners of the globe plying their trade, sometimes beating fields, setting records, PBs, and sometimes even dominating their pursuits. And yet, they're not only not earning anything, they don't even get recognised. Sport is a business. It's that simple. And there are different models and different ways of generating income, but all of them need to be in front of hundreds of millions, not handfuls. Which, by the way, 
is why we get so messed up with women's sport. It's not a gender bias, it's crowd and broadcasting bias. They don't pull the crowds or the deals, not gender, just bottom line. If the Silver Ferns had beaten China in the semis and then pipped the United States by a goal and America had stopped to watch it all, then you would have had prize money. And that's before you get to the trophy itself. But it's a bit boring, that trophy, isn't it? Don't you think? Sort of looks like a... I don't know, a, a lamp. This, I thought they could have done with a bit, a bit more. If there's no prize money, you, you make up for it with a decent trophy. Anyway, um, that wasn't very funny, but Martin Short and Steve Martin are. See, what about the bluegrass? I mean, which, of course, you've incorporated over the years. Uh, you've been into the banjo for years. Are you helping the bluegrass movement? You know, it's I, I can't really answer that. All, all I can tell you is that the bluegrass world in America has exploded and it's become much more uh, known worldwide. You know, you know where bluegrass is big? Yugoslavia. Don't I can't Croatia. You know, don't ex, don't I can't explain it. Is there still a country called Croatia? I think so. Anyway, um, and it it really has uh, uh, been the, the great, there's great great bluegrass artists who are actually making it more successful than it's ever been. And I, I'm just a face on television who plays the banjo that might bring a little awareness, but really it's up. It's these other great artists that are, you know, playing it every is day. It, is it big in Czechoslovakia? Because that's not a country anymore. <laughs> that's that's my problem. It's not. Oh yeah, I said Yugoslavia is a country, right? I know, but I'm, I'm yeah. checking countries that aren't yeah, anymore, aren't existing anymore. Yeah. Well, of course, New Zealand is a country, and we're looking forward to seeing you when you come down. Oh, I want to be big in countries that don't exist anymore as well. That sounds like that sounds something to strive towards. I am Glenn ZB. Uh, that was the rewrap for Tuesday. Very, very big in former states that have been dissolved. Uh, and I'll see you back here again uh, tomorrow, wherever you are listening. Listener.